Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Monster Eat the Pilot Podcast, a podcast that's hosted by Brandon. It's Monday in the music room. You actually can read the board behind me. I feel like it's not been very easy to read. Whatever. Shut up. It's the yeah. It's Monday in the music room. It's where Brandon talks about whatever. We got two episodes of Lost to talk about. We're going to talk about a movie I watched, and we're going to talk about mental health stuff, man, and the wild, wonderful mind of Brandon. Actually, not a whole lot to talk about there. Just some updates, you know. Not a whole lot going on. I just got back from the uh, Columbus Crew Atlanta United game, which you'll hear about on Thursday with Sports Talk. That's right. If you haven't heard, you've been living under the rock, uh, like the actual, you know, the former wrestler, and now dominant Hollywood icon, The Rock. You've been living under him. Brandon has a sports show. He does it on Thursdays. Check it out. I'll be on LC Transfer Room tomorrow. I should be. Um, I was on there last week, so make sure you go back and check all the stuff out. Brandon's working hard here. Brandon's working hard, so you could be working less hard or something. I don't know what that means. Whatever. Um... Yeah, but you know, if you like what you've heard, spread a good word anywhere podcasts are available. You can find Monster Eight the Pilot. Um... You also watch video on Spotify. I forgot how I do this. I forgot how I do this. Um, I need to shave, don't I? Oh, wow. Yeah. You can watch the video on Spotify, and you can make the judgment. Uh, does Brandon need to shave? I think he does. I think any time where I can't really see the top my top teeth because my mustache has gotten so long, it's time to shave it, bud. It's time to shave there, pal. Look ridiculous. You look ridiculous, man. Um, yeah, we're we're moving on here. We're moving on. We're, we're going to have a great night. Lost. Movie. Mental health stuff, whatever, you know. Do I have other things? I thought I had a band of the week. I'm forgetting the band of the week. I'm forgetting the band of the week. Was it the song of the week? I don't even remember. Let's check Spotify. Maybe, I thought, I swore I had one. Is it Lifehouse? It probably is. <laughs> you know, with all this stuff going on with Creed having this crazy resurgent because of memes, like, why is Lifehouse not a part of this? Why is Lifehouse not a part of this, man? Hanging by a moment? Come on. Come on, guys. We're better than this. We're better than this. We could be reviving uh, Lifehouse and their singer's name, Jason Wade, right? Something like that. Wade Jason, something around that type of name. Hanging by a moment is a jam. It jams. It does. I don't care what you say. Whatever else you think about them. That song jams. Uh, but, you know, I will have to say, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Creed, obviously. Their music's kind of meh. It's just meh. It's ironically fun. Uh, Tremonti's a really great guitar player. He just doesn't have, like, a muse or anything like that. So it's like it's just kind of like he's technically great. But what's the meaning of any of his guitar stuff? I don't know, but good for them. I know like, Scott Stapp struggled a long time with like substance abuse issues, so for him to get another shot, and hopefully they grasp it and continue to have fun. Like you know, they seem to be having fun with it. You know, going to the Rangers game and singing higher. Uh, I know they did like some. It was like a TikTok or a reel or whatever it is where um, Scott Stapp walks into him and is like, "Hello, my friends. We meet again. It's been a while. Where should we begin?" I'm like, "That's actually decently funny." As they just kind of stare at him, like, "What the hell are you doing, pal?" <laughs> no, but good for him, you know. America loves a good comeback story. Oh, I forgot. I was looking up <laughs> what was supposed to be the song or band. Or it's not a Springsteen song of the week. I know that. Oh, I don't know, man. I swore I had one. Huh? Was it Lucero? Yeah, I think it was Lucero, but I don't think I think it was more of a song by Lucero. That is a problem. Brandon should have been prepared. Brandon's never prepared. That's kind of the point of this whole show. Brandon's never prepared to do anything. Um, yeah, Lucero, band from Memphis. They're gonna be the band of the week now because I can't remember what song was supposed to be the song of the week. <laughs> it's called a pivot if you're in the industry. Um. Yeah, Lucero, they're one of my favorite bands. They're one of my favorite bands. I've seen them live numerous times. The last time I saw them was, I think, at Louisville, and they got, Ben got so trashed. At one point, Brian kicked over his glass and ran around this whole stage, uh, and they got so sloppy at the end, they were just like, let's just play some random shit. And, like, <laughs> it just got, it got pretty wild. They just wouldn't stop either. It was well past the two-hour mark. And they're like, let's play another one. And they just kept going. It was, pretty, it was a pretty fun show. It was the sloppiest I've ever seen them, but in a good way. No, Memphis, Tennessee. I I found them, yeah, probably 2009. I'd say I think I went to some show. 
I feel like I told the story. I think it was at a Dropkick Murphy show. And, some, and I saw like two or three different people wearing Lucero shirts. I'm like, who are these guys? So I checked them out, and damn, they were good. I was talking to Karaoke Chris about it earlier this week. Um, coming Home. That, I think that may have been the song of the week, actually. It was Coming Home off of That Much Further West. What a great jam. And a very unappreciated Lucero song. And me and Chris Moore talked about it. Karaoke Chris Moore, the guy who's been on this show before. The guy that is uh, public enemy number one of the show. Um, uh, I think if I ever have one of those YouTube celebrity boxing matches things, he would be my opponent. Um... Nah, we were talking about it, and we both kind of agree on why it's so unappreciated. It follows Tonight Ain't Gonna Be Good and Tears Don't Matter Much, which are two, like, all-timers for Lucero. Man, Coming Home's a really good song. Is that a great little guitar part at the very beginning? Yeah, whatever. You know my vocal, uh, melodic vocal stuff never really comes off very well, but whatever. And it's just like a guy about to head out on this chick, but he's like, Darling, don't cry for me, because I'm coming home. I don't plan on dying young. Yeah, that's right. We don't all plan on it. Uh, but some of us do. That said, you know, young boys and girls ain't supposed to die on a Saturday night, as Brian Fallon once wrote in the 59 Sound. Ugh. I've been needing a drink for like six hours. What's <laughs> this on there? Um, I think coming home ended up being the song of the week. So I'm not going to go too deep into it because I kind of forgot about it right now. But Lucero overall, great band from Memphis, Tennessee. They have so many freaking records, like 14, 11, 12 records now, maybe even more. They just released one last year. I haven't even listened to it because, like, you know, I end up getting behind on even the bands I love. Like, it's probably like Spring, like I don't think I've listened to the newest Spring. I don't think I've listened to uh, Letters to You by Springsteen, if I'm thinking correctly. I don't think I've listened to that whole record. Like, <laughs> like I love Springsteen, obviously. You know, I just said obvi. Obviously, I just said that. It's ridiculous, Brandon. What are you, 12? What is all this? There's supposed to be something going on with the talk right now with slang, and people are, like, getting tired of kids having new slang. Like, can we stop just being mad about stuff all the time? I'm pretty bored of it. Like, you know, ugh, you kids, that slang. I don't like it. I don't understand it. Who cares? Who fucking cares? Which, at the same time, it's probably like nobody actually cares. It's probably like four Twitter accounts or X accounts, whatever it's supposed to be called. I don't know. Complained about it, so somebody wrote an article acting like, Oh, uh, yeah, baby uh, boomers are so angry at, what is it now? Generation Alpha, I think that's what it's being called. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, Generation Alpha's slag use. Like, yeah, it's like four people. It's like that's every single story. Every single story out there, when you see something that's really ridiculous and somebody's angry about, it's not. It's just like seven people on X are mad about it, and they wrote that article and make you think that so many other people are mad about it. And that's not the case at all. And that's how, like, most of the world works. It's all phony-ass bullshit. Anyway, Lucero. <laughs> this is a fun show already. Um, yeah, I remember going to see them with JR way back in the day, and so many beautiful ladies at that show. I got a picture with Ben. I remember drunkenly walking up to Ben in Cleveland. And tell him, hey, man, I met you last year. He's like, hey, sorry, I don't remember that. I'm like, I know you don't. I just want you to know that was the happiest moment of my life. And he was like, I don't think that's true. And I said, that is true. And that's sad. And I stumbled out of there really drunk. That's Lucero Girl Night, by the way, too. That's the same night as Lucero Girl. I think I told that part of the story when I told that way back in the day. Man, Lucero Girl. I don't want to go on another tangent about her, but what the fuck was I thinking, man? What the hell... You miss all the shots you don't take, Brandon. You know, you could be happy, maybe have a child right now. Those two things don't exist, happiness and having a child. <laughs> funny guy. I'm a really funny guy, let me tell you. Let me tell you how funny I am. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I mean, what more my life would have been? You know, at the same time, we live on two opposite ends of Ohio. And, like, I know maybe some of my people who listen to this show may not be from these states. Uh, that's a big deal to be, like, one end of the other state. Outside of, like, Rhode Island, like, it's a big deal to be on the other end of the state. I know you live in, like, England or something like that where, you know, you know you're on, like, on the trolley or whatever for, like, eight minutes and you went to Scotland. Like, uh, where over here, man, I travel for, like, five hours and still am in Ohio. <laughs> You know? You know? 
Like, I remember when I went to Minnesota, like, I went to Minneapolis. I'm like, man, I really, like, one of my, like, dreams I've always wanted to do is travel out to the middle of nowhere, South Dakota. Like, nothing within miles and miles, like, hundreds of miles of civilization. And just looking up at the fucking night sky. Like, and just really seeing what the night sky truly is. And just being like, oh my god. Because that's what I do love when I go back home to, like, Portsmouth and stuff like that. I go out to my mom's out in McDermott. Like, it's beautiful when you look up to the sky. It's beautiful. It's it's incredible. But, like, if you go out there, man, there's no light that's, if, like, dealing with that. You're seeing the night as it truly is. As your ancestors would have seen it hundreds of years ago. Oh, man, it'd be so incredible. So I thought about, like, when I went to Minneapolis, like, maybe I'll rent a car and drive out that way. Like, maybe I'll drive out to, you know, middle of nowhere, South Dakota, and, you know, see what it's like. I'm like, let's see how long that drive is. So I typed in, I did the GPS from Minneapolis to, like, the border of South Dakota. And if I'm thinking correctly, I may be a little bit off here. Maybe, like, I was, I think it was seven hours to the border from Minneapolis to South Dakota. Then they get into, like, middle of nowhere, South Dakota, like, way out there. I think, like, Bismarck was, like, 13 hours. It was, like, a 13-hour drive to go one state over. <laughs> like, America's big, man. The big world. And that's why whenever people say it's flat, you're idiots. What the hell was that? Who knows? I think it was a guitar. I think it fell over. Like my little toy guitars. So when they say it's like, like, man, it's just so big, you would never notice, like, you can't notice the curve. It's so fucking big. You don't get how big the actual world is. Because you've never left your mom's basement, Flat Earthers. <laughs> Brandon's firing all cylinders tonight, guys. Let's do this. Let's have a good time here. Uh, <laughs> um, Lucero. We're talking about Lucero, by the way. Let's stay it on topic. Band of the Week is Lucero from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm not sure. I've, I've talked about him at length, I believe. Ben's a great songwriter. I love the early stuff when it was like really sad and really drunk all the time. Then they kind of evolved their sound and like a little bit more storytelling stuff and more just kind of like old rock and roll. Like when they got like Women at Work and like 1372 Overton Park. Like 1372 is one of my favorite records ever. It's just it's a great record. The opener with Smoke. Like just going into What What Are You Willing to Lose? All my favorite losers are uh, all my favorite. Winners are the losing kind. Like, yep. Yeah. Not a chance in hell, but still they lay it on the line. Yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Banana bread. Um, No, it's, it's just... They're such a great band. They added the horns later on, and like... I know in the like later cup last last couple of records they started adding a little bit more like kind of synth stuff. Like kind of still evolving their sound. Still having some great uh, great songwriting, great times back in Ohio off of. Um, Oh, I can't remember what their last few records are even called, man. I know the last one was Should Have Learned by now. All a Man Should Do, that was probably 2015. Maybe a little later, 2016. Uh, that's a great record. Woke Up in New Orleans. Whew, that's a sadden. That's a sadden. Uh, but no, man, Lucero, man. They write great stuff. And Karaoke Chris had, a, I felt, like a controversial music opinion here. I thought it was pretty controversial. He said that Nobody's Darlings is better than any... Of the Isbell era drive-by trucker records, I disagree, but I see where he's coming from. That record is probably more fun to listen to. Nobody's darlings. That is probably that's probably the best. I don't know. Thirteen seventy-two is Lucero at its pinnacle of just like everything is perfect. Their sound is so perfect. The songwriting is perfect. All the songs are perfect. Nobody's darlings. I know Tennessee people say Tennessee. But Nobody's Darling is pretty fucking great. Sixteen's a great song. It's a fucking jam. Uh, bike Riders, come on. Watch it burn. Mm, the War? Stop. The War? Come on. You want to say there's a record out there that has a better song than The War by Lucero? That's saying something, man, because The War is a... Whew, that's a great Lucero song. Um... No, I just don't... But it's a f more fun... Nobody's Darling is more fun to listen to than the drive-by trucker records, but it's not a better record. You know what I mean? Like things are more fun. Like you know, I like watching The Rock with Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, and Ed Hedder, Ed Ed Hedder, <laughs> Ed Harris, more than I like watching just about any other movie. Like even like The Godfather, but it's not better than The Godfather. You know what I mean? The Godfather is this. It's this man. It's out of the screen. It's to the tip top to the moon, man. 
But yeah, check out Lucero if you haven't already. And also, tell a flat earther to get out of their goddamn basement and see how big the world is. Drive out to South Dakota, man. Uh, but kind of talking about movies a little bit, let's jump into a quick movie. I rewatched The Batman today. Not today, the other day. A couple days ago. The Batman. It's like three hours long. Um, I really enjoyed it. I fucking really, really like it. It is uncomfortable to watch in a lot of places. Like how dirty and depressing that city is. How unsettling Paul Dano is as the Riddler. Like, oh, there's a scene where they finally meet face to face. And just the look on his face of just, oh, I'm getting to meet my hero. Because that's like kind of the crux of the movie is that the Riddler worships Batman. Like, in, oh, it's it's outstanding. Uh, the, all the haters, Rob Pat is probably one of the best Batmans you could ever want. Um, I don't care. I don't care if you don't like that. I don't care if you don't like that. I don't care if you don't care about it. I'm just saying, Rob Pat. in terms of, like, people who would work, Robert Pattinson works. I mean, the kind of the emo haircut was kind of lame, but whatever. Um, and I like the whole idea of Batman trying to figure shit out. Like, you know, usually it's either his origin or he's the most total badass of all time. It's like this where he's like, I don't know really what I'm doing yet. <laughs> I'm still kind of new at this. And, like, the tension with the police, like, not liking him and stuff like that because he's just a vigilante. Like, it, it was cool. And, like, Jeffrey Wright, obviously, is Gordon. Like, perfect. Perfect casting. Like, he fits that Gor- like the Gordon type of character perfectly. I know some people won't like it because it's so woke. Shut the fuck up. Like, anti-woke is so much worse than being woke. It is so much worse. You're complaining about complaining. That's even worse than complaining. Unless you're the guy who is complaining about the complaining about the complaining. And you're probably the worst. Which, that would be me. Hmm. Nah, man. But it was really good. I know there was... I don't know. What's her name? Who's the chick that played, uh... Catwoman? Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? I don't even know her name. Is it Kravitz's daughter? Was it Zoe Kravitz? Yeah, Zoe Kravitz played uh, Selena Kyle. I know there was that report, man. I understand method acting. Like, you know, staying in character all the time, or really digging in on, like, all these different, like, digging in on the character, digging in on the people, and, like, really encapsulating it. But there's sometimes where it's just the dumbest thing imaginable. Like, Zoe Kravitz, I know it came out, like, before the movie. She, like, she was drinking milk from saucers to really identify with Catwoman. And it's like, shut up. What is this nonsense? <laughs> it's like when Jared Leto took his opportunity to play the Joker just to be a dick. And, like, send, de- send dead animals to his co-stars and send bullets to him. And just, like, being a dumbass. Which Jared Leto sucks. I don't care. I really don't care. I mean, he's he could be great and stuff, but he's also like sometimes the worst of like and stuff. Like I really don't care for him. He kind of seems like the worst, also like the lamest. Like I hope I don't know. I'm not gonna say anything else. I was about to go really deep in some dark shit there for a second. I ain't gonna do it. Ain't gonna do it. Gonna leave it there. Let the sleeping dogs lie, man. <laughs> no, but I really enjoyed the Batman. I thought like the casting was really great. Um, yeah, one of the scars guards in there. Um, it just, it just seemed kind of an interesting way to take it. Like, it was super dark. And like I said, it was just like, the the Riddler arc thing, man, is this kind of, I need to take a fucking shower with this stuff, man. But I really enjoyed it. Three hours long, when it was great. It was great. Wonderful. And it took its time on so much stuff. Like, even sometimes I'm like, did we really have to take our t- that much time on this? Like, there's a point where he's like going, he's like reaching into a cage to grab like a, uh, a, a note left by the Riddler, and I swear it takes him a minute to like reach his hand in there and grab it and pull it off and bring his hand back out. I'm like, did we really need it to be a minute long? <laughs> Are we just right now just like kind of stroking our egos? Ah, <laughs> uh, remember also with that method acting. I think it was Charlton Heston. I can't remember who he was talking to. He said, "Um." Uh, it's like they're losing all this weight for this role, or they were doing all this crazy stuff. I think it was Charlton Heston, and like he was talking about how miserable it kind of was. Like, it's like, have you ever heard of acting? <laughs> it's like that's actually a pretty good point. You ought to try acting, son. Hey, son, you should try acting. <laughs> I 
actually. It's pretty good. No, I'd highly recommend the Batman. I mean, it's it's one you gotta kind of plan your day around. But I had to plan my day like big time Wednesday. I had three therapy sessions, guys. I had three therapy sessions in one day. You know how crazy that is. That's a lot. That's a lot of talking. Brandon talked so much. He was sick of talking. I was so done. I still had to record the sports episode that night, too. So that's pretty impressive. Pat Brandon on the back. Send him well wishes. Maybe send him some flowers, some cards. Maybe some money. Give me some money. How about some money, guys? Give me some freaking money. Um, yeah, but I had to have three. I talked to my clinician for Mind Bloom. And I talked to... Um, my guide for Mind Bloom, then I talked to Karen, my regular therapist. It was uh, it was a good day. Good day. We're working on with the guide on implementation, or yeah, integration, I should say, for what I'm uh, like my chosen path of like kind of rewiring the brain. I'm gonna have to check out some of these integration circles, which are like these groups where people can kind of talk about their own experiences with ketamine, and maybe you could pick up some things or like you know, cause my thing with it, like that's my worry is that like I'm gonna do this and I'm like get towards the end. I'm like, oh, I haven't actually worked hard on it, which that's my worry, which I actually have. I mean, I've been walking much more, I've been going out and doing things. I've been trying to get stuff done, I've been meal prepping, which is a big part of what we're trying to plan to do is me just trying to take control of another aspect of my life that I have no control over half the time, which is usually my appetite or just like kind of like the food intake or just plain because like, you know, I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm like, oh, good work. I'm like, oh, what am I going to order off DoorDash today? Let's spend 20 bucks on DoorDash today. And, you know, since I'm at work five times a week, oh, that's over 100 bucks every single week on DoorDash. That's stupid, Brandon. So now I'm working on meal prepping. I've had steak, sa- steak salads the past couple of days. Made them myself. I didn't do like a sirloin steak. I did like uh, ribeye steaks. It was different, but they were good. Damn. Damn. Ribeye steaks. Mmm. Steaks are good. I make myself some PB and J's tomorrow for lunch. Mmm, I love some PB and J. If you don't like PB and J, I don't like you. End of story. I think my mom doesn't like PB and J, so I take that one back. Uh, <laughs> nah. Uh, yeah, that's like the thing we're kind of focused. Like, uh, we're trying to like focus on things because I don't know how to do half this stuff. Like, she's like, "Oh, so what do you want to focus on?" I don't know. I don't know. What does that even mean? Focus on what? What's like, is it supposed to be a big thing? It's supposed to be a small thing. She's like, oh, it could be either. I'm like, that's not helping. That's not helping. You choose. And she's like, we finally came out. I'm like, how about something like, I said something, I think I made a mention of like, I bought like some meal prep bowls. And I'm like, they're probably just going to gather dust because I'm not going to use it. Like, well, why don't you use those this week? Maybe that's the thing. Like, just try to do that. So I've been setting my like alarms on my phone so I could follow kind of more of a like structured plan for my life. Like, just like... It's fun, you know, flying by the seat of your pants all the time. But I need some structure to really make some strides, you know what I mean? Structure's the strides. That's this section of Monster Ate the Pilot for the next 30 episodes. I don't know what that means. Probably not. Who knows? I don't know anything at all. Um, but yeah, that's like my focus right now is to try to focus on building these blocks, these better habits that I talked about last week, building those blocks, reinforcing those blocks, putting the proper mortar in there when I put the bricks on there for this foundation, man, and, you know, so I can take the next step in life. This is more fun than it should be. Brandon's ADHD is kicking in. Whoop, let's focus. Nah, then, like, my clinician, we were just mostly talking about how I'm interacting with the ketamine itself physically, you know, whether it's making me sick or, you know, I talk about I have headaches, but I'm like, I have headaches all the time. Um, I talked about how the second session wasn't nearly as intense, and um, they're like, yeah, that typically, for some reason, that ends up being the case. Like, the first one is usually more intense than the second one for some reason, and we're not 100% sure why. I'm like, cool. Interesting. Um, which I won't have another session until... Not this week, next Monday, because that's my next available time to do it. Because you got to have somebody with you. I could just do it alone this week. Ooh, that's a no-no. Don't do it, Brandon. Um, no, so yeah, it'd be another week. Then I'll be down in Portsmouth next week for Thanksgiving week. I'll be down there like Monday, or actually Tuesday and Wednesday. Monday I'll be in Shilkathi hanging out with Jake, my best pal, my best friend, my best bro. My homie. My good time boy. <laughs> I'm so funny. And I talked to Karen just about everything I've been kind of going through with the ketamine stuff and just kind of building off that. Uh, I talked about, you know, 
self-esteem stuff, which I talked about with you guys last week. So, you know, you guys get to also be my therapist. My therapist knows as much as you do sometimes. Probably some other stuff that I've never talked about with you guys. She also knows that as well. But, you know, we're splitting hairs here. Um, nah. But it was good, you know, obviously to get stuff off your chest and kind of reinforce those things, talking to others. And like, especially in that type of environment, like my therapist and talking to like my uh, guide and stuff like that, kind of reinforcing those good habits, reinforcing the ideas that I'm thinking of, reinforcing like, and also kind of road mapping the how to part of it all. So, you know, I'm happy with everything so far. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling much better of late. I'm feeling a little bit more at it, a little bit more on the front foot. That's kind of the focus we, me and Karen talk about. So like, I feel like I'm more on the front foot on things. Like I can take, like, even if I don't get it done, I'm still getting the first step at least done. And that's a huge thing for me because I usually let the overwhelming mountain of things I've got to do in my brain take over and then nothing gets done. So right now I'm really good about getting a first step done on all these different things. And I'm happy about that. I'm like excited about it. I hope to keep this momentum rolling. This ball rolling, this boulder running, running over Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or whichever one movie that happened in. I still haven't watched the newest one. I probably won't, because I actually never watched the fourth one either, so who cares? Whatever, man. Speaking of Indiana Jones, let's talk about Lost. I'm not sure. That's not an actual segue. That has nothing to do with Indiana Jones. I don't think anybody makes an Indiana Jones reference, though they are in a temple. It's actually pretty decent, Brandon. Yeah, let's do some Lost stuff. Let's get the hell out of here, and uh, we'll have a great rest of our nights. And we'll start off the week properly. Right when you listen to Monster 8, the pilot, on your preferred podcast thing. Anyways, we are episode 3 of season 6. It is what Kate does. One thing I do like about the beginning of season 6 is they also follow the same, like, kind of, um, the same episode structure from the first season, because the first season was pilots, part 1 and 2, tabula rasa, um, Walkabout and White Rabbit, which was, you know, obviously everybody episodes with the pilot, Kate episode, Lock episode, Jack episode. This is the same thing. What Kate does, Substitute, and then Lighthouse, which I haven't watched yet, as follows those three people right there. Um, this episode, cool. There's some really, I, there, I mean, it's, it's a pretty solid episode. Um, you have to let go of quite a few of the things. I'm going to probably end up spoiling the Flash sideways here because I was hoping to kind of keep it from you, but no, I'm just not going to. I know I spoiled a lot of other stuff, so it's not that big a deal. The Flash sideways is just pointless. It really is just kind of pointless. Like, there's some fun stuff in it, and it's kind of like cool to see, but it ultimately means nothing. It, it just doesn't mean anything. And it ends up just by the end being a glorified like clip show that they put into the show. It's very weird, but it's part of the show, so we got to review it. What Kate does, I'd probably give this a B minus, C plus, maybe a B. There's some stuff I really like. Um, I like the Kate and Sawyer stuff. I like um, seeing. Uh, I'm not going to spoil actually who you see. I like the ending with uh, Claire showing back up. I like the sideways stuff on like as a thing. Like I like it. But in its grand scheme of things, that's the issue. It's like, oh, in a vac, like in a vacuum, oh, this is well done. I am intrigued about what's happening here. I'm like seeing all these people show back up, but in the grand scheme of things, like it doesn't mean anything. It's just a glorified clip show by the end of it. But anyway, we'll start off with the Flash sideways. And two th- obviously, in the Flash sideways, last time we saw Kate, she was in a cab. She was uh, hijacking the cab for him to drive off, and Claire's in the ca- cab with him. I just said cab seventeen times, and it now doesn't sound like a real word. Cab, cab, cab. <sighs> What's happening? focus. Anyways, they get driving off, they run over Arts, which is I guess the funnest thing, is like just seeing these characters like seeing Arts multiple times is fun <laughs> like they run over his luggage and he does the whole, I'm walking here thing, I got your license plate, um, and it's fun, and then they get to a stop sign and she's talking to Claire, Claire's like you could you did please leave me alone, Claire tries to get out and Kate's not having it, then the cab driver just gets out and runs away, and Claire's like, and Kate's like ugh, so Kate gets Kicks Claire out of the cab, takes off, goes to, oh, what's his name? He's in so many things. Jeff Kober. He's been in so many things. You see him like, oh, that guy. Uh, a lot of you would know him from New Girl as the landlord of the uh, the flat that they live in. He's been in The Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy. He's been in like, all that stuff. He's one of those guys. He was in uh, 
uh, Buffy as like the magic dealer in like seasons like five, maybe yeah, in season five with Willow, as she's like, as they use like uh, magic as an allegory for like heroin. <laughs> he's the heroin dealer slash magic dealer. Um, he's great, but I forgot he showed up. Yeah, he's just like this guy at a like a, at a mechanic shop, and he's got a he helps Kate get off the get the handcuffs off. It was cool to see him, but I guess he's you know he's not like a major star, so it wasn't like that big a deal like that he was there. It wasn't like when, um, oh shit, the guy from Breaking Bad, Hank, Hank from Breaking Bad, what's his name? And he showed up last season. It's like, what the hell's he doing here? <laughs> but it was cool. But yeah, she gets free of the handcuffs and she starts searching for a new outfit to get changed. And she sees a picture of Claire and she realizes Claire is pregnant. And she just stole like all of Claire's stuff. So she goes and finds her sitting on a bench. Pretty easy to do in Cali- you know, in- at Los Angeles to find one single person. Like, you know, when <laughs> you have no idea where to look. I guess you could look in a certain area. Knowing that she's pregnant, you'd realize she probably didn't go very far. But you think she would, I don't know, whatever. Um,. Kate picks her up, and they take her to who Claire was going to give Aaron up to. And they knock on the door, and she opens the door. You can tell she's been crying. And she's like, oh, my God, I should have called you. My husband left me, and I just can't take care of this baby alone. And it's like, shut up. That's what you're making Claire do. And you didn't. And she didn't even sign papers, you know what I mean? You signed the papers to take care of like, And Kate's like, yo, I'm a fugitive. You really think we just – she flew from Australia, and you couldn't even call her? I'm a fugitive. She doesn't say the fugitive part, but she does say the second part about Australia and flying and calling. But whatever. Uh, that triggers a early – like kind of almost early labor for Claire. She starts going to contractions. She's freaking out. Uh, Kate drives her to the hospital, and what I thought was really weird, Kate gets out of the car and puts the gun she has into – like. You know, her belt line in the back of her pants. And, like, she doesn't have her shirt tucked in or anything like that. So, like, the shirt keeps, like, flying, and you just keep seeing the gun. You just see the gun nonstop. And it's like, nobody else is going to see this gun. You're like, what are you doing? Like, why is the gun even with you? And then she's thinking, like, she's going to drop Claire off and get out of there. But then she sees there's a cop car pulling up. She's like, oh. So she goes with Claire and freaking out. And then um, Claire's going into labor still. And Kate goes, grabs a doctor, and it's Ethan. Ethan Goodspeed. I thought it was Ethan Rom. I forgot that it was Goodspeed because of the name, but Ethan Rom. William Mapother shows up. And that fun little kind of twist on what happened on the island, you know, obviously, like, uh, Ethan did a lot of the stuff with Aaron prepping for the baby and stuff like that. Uh, kidnapping Claire also, all that crazy shit, running the tests at that one Dharma station that I can't remember what the name is. Anyways, it was cool to kind of see that little interaction. Then, um, I think that's all we see of Ethan. But then, uh, the police show up looking for Kate. And Claire's like, she's not, uh, yeah, she just dropped me off. She was just a cab driver. And Kate's like, oh, thank you so much. Uh, gets out of there. Flash sideways was, I mean, it was kind of, like I said, it's fun to see certain people show up. Like, you know, Ethan here, Art's showing up at the airport. Um, because that's the thing is, like, are we supposed to assume that if, Flight 815 actually didn't crash that Claire still wouldn't be able to give up Aaron? I I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Because there's so many other differences in this sideways that is that how it actually would have happened? And obviously at the end we find out none of this is actually happening. This is all a kind of purgatory type thing. The flash sideways is like a purgatory thing. So it's like, what is this? What? I don't know. Are we actually learning anything about what would have happened if they landed? Because so many things have changed. Obviously, they're different people, and their motives for coming back are completely different. It's just weird. I don't know. Anyways, let's go back to 2007. Um, They come bursting into Dogen's office, and they're like, Hey, man, Saeed's totally alive, dude. He's like, No fucking way, man. Also, Lennon's not as bad as I remember. Uh, John Hawks. He's actually a little bit better. But there's a lot of that whole thing. It's like, uh, it's like you're not it's like tell us what's going on. We'll tell you everything we want. You should know later. But we're actually not gonna say anything. Um, they take Saeed away privately. Uh, they torture him. They shock him. And they tell him, he's like, well, he's like, it was a test you passed. And he walks out, and Lennon's like, I just lied to him, didn't I? He's like, yes, you did. So Dogan's like, yeah. So they get Jack back there. Actually, hold on. 
Hold on. That's right. During the fight between Jack trying to keep Saeed from going to get tortured, which they didn't realize that's what's going to happen, uh, Sawyer takes this opportunity to get the fuck out of there. Like, he bounces, steals a gun. I guess he kills somebody on the way out. Um, he also just shows how much he hates Saeed now. I don't know. He's like, oh. He's like, of course he's alive. He's a Saeed. He's an Iraqi torturer. Shoots kids. Of course he gets a second chance. I'm like, Jesus, dude. I guess you love Kid Ben so much. It was just weird. It was just kind of like, kind of like, geez, that was kind of an aggressive line that doesn't kind of, I don't know, it just seems weird. But whatever. Um, so he gets out of there, so Kate and Jen decide to go after him. Um, but we'll stay in the temple. Jack, uh, the, Jack goes and talks to Dogen, and Dogen's working on something. Ends up being a pill. He's like, you need to give this to Saeed. Give him this pill. And he's like, what's in it? And he's like, you just need him to get him to take it. He's got to take it willingly. So Jack goes to talk to Saeed. He's like, hey, can you... He's like, you know, they want you to take this pill. He's like, I tr he's like, I trust you, Jack. I'll take the pill if you want me to. And Jack can't let him take the pill. So he goes to talk to Dogen again. And he's like, hey, what's in the pill? He's like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, if you... Um, if the pill's harmless, then you won't care if I do this. And he throws the pill in. And Dogen goes nuts and starts beating the shit out of Jack to get him to spit the pill back up. And he does. And he's like, it's poison. Um, he's talking about how Saeed is infected. This is the answer for the infection, obviously, is that you get your mind kind of warped by the man in black, or Flock, or whoever he is now. Um, it kind of works. It's not great. Um, he says he has, he's basically has, a dark, he's been, um, what, what's the word that they used? They tell him he's infection, but they say something else as well. They use a different word for infection at a certain point. It's like, it's like once it gets to his heart, they'll we'll remove any trace of the person he's ever been, and um, blah, blah, blah. It's like, the same thing happened to your sister, and I was kind of, Claire, which I was kind of hoping Jack would be like, who? <laughs> but obviously he didn't do that. And we also have some more magical shrinking out and stuff in these two episodes. Uh, let's go back to Kate's stuff. Kate goes tracking uh, Sawyer, and she's followed by a man, um, a, one man, actually two men. Actually, this happens in the temple. So they're having all this stuff kind of breaking down, and all of a sudden you hear, you hear this guy with Project Badass voice come ringing through, and he comes walking up, he's like, you know, kind of starts shouting off orders, taking charge of a situation like a total badass. That's right, Rob McElhaney, better known as Rob, uh, better known as Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't think I talked about him being in Season 3. I think I glossed over that fact and just forgot to talk about it. But he makes his return as Aldo here, and, ah, uh, I fucking love it. Um, him... Jen and Kate and this guy named Justin go after si uh, Sawyer. I thought Justin's name was so weird. So here's the four others that talk in this episode. Dogen, Lennon, Aldo, and Justin. One of these things is not like the other. It seems it's such like a weird name. Just Justin. And I was like, huh. Name's Justin. It's like you know, you start hearing like you know. Oh, I saw a joke uh, comedian. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, I can't uh, give him credit. Talk about Dikembe Mutombo being his favorite player ever. And he says like his full name, like Dikembe Mutombo's like full name, which is like five names. He's like, and he has two kids. He names his first kid Dikembe Mutombo, blah blah blah, Junior. Then he names his second kid Ryan. <laughs> it's like oh shit, you know, you get all jacked up for the names. Like his name's Justin. I was like, oh. Uh, they almost step on a trap, and Justin stops Kate from doing it. It's like, oh, it looks like one of Russo's traps. And there's another annoying thing here with, like, Mac with Aldo. Like, Kate's asking questions, and he starts saying something, and, like, as soon as, like, Justin's trying to give him a little bit of answers, some little con context or whatever. And I was like, shut up, Justin. And then they talk about Russo's traps. Like, Russo, no, she's been dead for years. And he's like, shut up, Justin. And it's like, who cares? She knows, like, Russo's dead. Like, you know? Who cares if she knows? 
It's just being overly dickish for no problem. Then he also calls out the reason why he's being such a dick. It's like, you don't even remember me, do you? It's like, you staged your little prison break and you had to knock some guy out with a butt of rifle. That was me, blah, blah, blah. Then Kate knocks him out again and pushes Justin into the trap. The trap knocks him out and her and Jen's like, what are you doing? Yo, dog, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going after... It's like, I'm not going back. I'm going after whatever. Uh, I'm going after Sawyer. And she's like, okay. Well, I'm going after Son. So they split up. Kate finds Sawyer at Dharmaville, which now is like an hour away from the temple. Not like a day's hike or anything. It's like the same day. She goes there and back and everywhere all at once. It's not very hard to go anywhere on this island anymore. It's not that big a deal. It's all just one shrinking magical island. Uh, she finds Sawyer in Dharmaville tearing up the floors. She pulls out a ring and he goes and she, you know, he finds out Kate's there. And he goes to the dock and he's slain. It's like sitting there. He eventually throws the engagement ring in there after he says he's going to marry, he wanted to marry Juliet. Kate apologizes for following him. Then she apologizes for Juliet. He's like, it's not your fault. And she's like, it's, you know, because she blames herself. She's like, you know, you guys were out of here. Then I brought you back to, you know, try to help with Jack and then got her killed. It's my fault. He's like, no, it's my fault because uh, Sawyer is the one that made Juliet stay whenever she was about to leave when they were jumping through time. And he was like, you know, I made her stay because I didn't want to be alone. And it's like, oh, it was a really good little bit from Josh Holloway. You could tell he's completely destroyed by losing Elizabeth Mitchell. And who wouldn't be? My God. Um, I think he told her, you know, you can make it back to the temple by nightfall. And then we see Jen trying to get a drink. And then Aldo and Justin show up, and Aldo just wants to straight up murder Jen. He's like, maybe we found him dead. That was my other thing, is like, the mystique of the others is so fucking gone with, like, some of the temple stuff. Like, Aldo is just trampsing through the jungle, being as loud as possible, just, like, yelling nonstop. And it's like, these were these silent badasses that, like, just creep through the jungle, and you never knew anything about them. Like, not so much you didn't know anything, but so much about knowing anything. It was like, they were so intriguing and mysterious, and, like, they were silent. They could just, the jungle was theirs. It's like, he's just like, blah, 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 like, everywhere. And it's like, what the hell? And then, um, as he's about to kill Jen, he gets shot three times, and then it looks like Justin gets shot in the arm. I'm pretty sure Justin doesn't die here. And we look up, and it's Claire. Ooh! lost. That's the end of the episode. Like I said, it's a pretty fun episode. Nothing bad. Like, overly horrible about it. Like, last week, having LAX2 where they just shit on John Locke the entire time. And just, he's a weak piece of garbage. Fuck this guy. You know? None of that in this episode. But, you know, it's solid. It's just like they said, as much as you, like, like certain parts of the Flash Sideways, they're meaningless. They actually don't mean anything because it's not real. <laughs> so, whatever, man. Um, yeah, but what Kate does, it's solid. It's solid. I like how much, how far Kate kind of came as a character. She's likable now. Evangeline Lilly is, like, a much better actress than she was in season one. Like, um, so, like, you know, typically I I hated Kate episodes. But, like, I thought season four was her last bad season. I thought five. And this one, like, she's been good so far. You know? All right, let's go to the substitute. Episode four. Where are we at? Okay. Episode four, the substitute. This is an episode about John Locke. We'll start off in the flash sideways as we do. He comes home. He's got his van because obviously he's still in the wheelchair. It's going like his little ramp's going down and gets stuck. So he tries to like ramp himself off, which I thought was going to be totally badass, especially if some fireworks went off or something like that. But they don't. He just ends up on his face on his lawn. Uh, the sprinklers go off, and he kind of laughs about it. Then the door opens, and here comes Helen, Katie Siegel. She comes flying out. She's like a Seagull. Katie Seagull, I should say. I'm sorry. I think that's how you say her name. Um, they're coming out, and they're engaged, and she helps John, and blah, blah, blah. She asks him about the conference, and she sees that Jack gave him his card. She's like, oh, you got to get that consult. And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Jack goes, or John goes back to work, and here comes Randy Nations. Oh, man, was this a satisfying return for somebody, because there's nothing different about him in the Flash Sideways. He is still a massive dick. <laughs> he asked John about the uh, conference. He's like, well, that's funny. You didn't, you missed uh, this one guy 
you know, this meeting with this one guy. He's like, oh, I was under the weather that day. He's like, well, you never picked up your credentials. And so I did some digging. You didn't do any of the stuff you were on this work retreat for. So Locke was like, mm. I was like, listen, Randy, it was personal. You can, it's like, let's just say it's my vacation. It's like, you already have vacation for your wedding in October. And like, Locke's just like, come on, dude. Come on, bro. And then Randy's like, don't worry, John. You're fired. And it's like, God, what a dick. So perfect. And he's got that smarmy look on his face. You just want to slap. He's got the little fucking chin strap beard going. Mm, I hate him. Kind of longish hair. God, I hate Randy. I hate Randy in all the best ways imaginable. <laughs> so so's Jock. Uh, Jock. John Locke coming out of the building. He's got his stuff from being fired. He goes up to his van. He doesn't park in the handicapped spot. But he's parked beside this big SUV, and you already know whose SUV that is. But he tries; he's mad because the SUV won't let his door open so he can get into his uh, van. So he's like, oh, I'm going to scratch the shit out of this guy's Hummer. So he hits the thing, and it starts lowering, and it stops before it can even get there. So it stops. He's like, ah, so he throws his keys. So he starts slapping the Humvee, whatever you call Hummer, and it starts going off. And here comes Hugo Reyes. And Hugo's like, hey, man. He's like, he's like you know there's like... Handicap spots right here. He's like, yeah, but I don't have to park in the handicap spots. You know? He's like, fair enough. But, same time, they're there for this exact reason. So you can have the door open and you don't have to worry about somebody parking a little bit too close to you. Because it's illegal. Yeah, and Hurley's like, they're supposed to have my own like spot. And he's like, oh, I've never seen you work here. He's like, well, I own the place. He's like, oh. He's like... He's like, what do you do? He's like, well, I've just got fired. And he asked him about his boss. He's like, Randy. Obviously, Hugo knows who Randy is from his cluckety-cluck-cluck days. And he's like, I can talk to him if you want to. And then he tells about a temp agency. And he goes to the temp agency. And who's there? But Rose. Rose runs the temp agency. And there was somebody else here. It was, um... It was the... The fake... Um... The fake fortune teller. That's I'm finally remembering this because I was trying to think about who she was all day long today. Oh yeah, she was the fake fortune teller from. Was it Numbers? I think it was Hurley's first episode in season one. That's who she was. She was like running the interview and she's like, "What kind of animal describes you?" Yeah, she's the one that like uh, tells Hugo all about like uh, you know relieving like the magic or whatever or relieving the power of the numbers. And she's like, Did "My mom tell you, like I was like I like." Did my mom put you up to this? And she's like, ugh. To think I would mess around with the mystic forces like this. And he's like, I'd give you $1,000. Like, yeah, your mom paid me to do this. <laughs> that chick, she was running the meeting. I, I Finally hitting me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm getting sidetracked. But I completely could not figure out which character she played in Lost. But I'm finally remembering it now. Uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, Rose comes in. And uh, she's talking to John about, you know... Jobs like yeah, I can get you a job or get you like a temp or whatever. And he's like, oh, I see this construction site surveyor. She's like, you can't do that job because obviously he's in a wheelchair. There's a lot of stuff there that he just can't do. And he was like, oh, I can do that. And he's, she's like, no, you can't. It's like, it's like yeah, I can give you that job, but you'll be back in here tomorrow for another job. And John kind of gets mad about you know being like put down and nobody you know knowing how hard it is, blah blah. Then Rose is like, I have cancer. Terminal cancer. I'm going to die soon. And Locke's like, son of a bitch, I look like an asshole. And she's like, yeah, you do. And he slaps him in the face and walks out. No, she doesn't do that. That'd have been funny, though. No, but she tells John, like, you know, there's all, like, stop focusing on these things you can't do. Focus on the things you can do. And let's find yourself another job, you know? So he goes, um, ends up becoming a substitute teacher. He's helping all the girls do the stuff. He has to teach sex ed. That's funny, apparently. But then he goes into a teacher's lounge. And you hear this one little nerdy dude start talking about the coffee cups, blah, blah, blah. And it's Benjamin Linus. He's a teacher, which is terrifying. Terrifying stuff. Then he goes home, Locke does. And he's thinking about calling Jack. He calls, then he hangs up the phone. He tells Helen that, you know, what he did about the walkabout and how he's tired of focusing on things he can't do and wants to do the things he can, blah, 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 and, like, you know, but if she wants him to, he, she he, uh, she wants him to get the consult consultant thing, he will, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I just wanted for you, like, I don't, what, what how does she put this? Like, you know, he's not talking about miracles. It's like, 
how is it? I want you to love you, love him for who he is. How does she put it? She puts it a really great way. This is a good Breton episode. I can't remember exactly how she puts it. I just wanted you to see the one thing that I've always done, like always seen, and that's you as you are. Something like that. It's like, mm, good stuff. They kiss. They affirm their love. They're still getting married. It's going to be great. Whatever. Anyways, back on the island, it's Man in Black in the form of Locke flying around the island as the smoke monster. It's all fun. He f gets Richard. He's got him in his little trap thing. Then he goes up the... He sees a little kid off to the side. And Richard's like, what the fuck are you looking at, bro? And he's like, I don't know, man. I think it's Jacob. I think it's Jacob as a kid, if I'm thinking correctly. I don't remember that properly. Maybe. Uh, then he goes into Dharmaville to recruit Sawyer. Sawyer's listening to... Uh, um, damn it. The Stooges' Search and Destroy. Such a great fucking song. That should have been Song of the Week. God damn, it's a great song. Um, Sawyer immediately realizes the Man in Black is not really Locke. He's like, Locke was always scared. So there's some more John Locke shitting here that I don't really appreciate. He's always scared, even when he's trying not to be. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. Um, what happens here? Huh? Okay. So, like, in the whole thing with Richard, he's promising him, like, answers and stuff like that because Jacob never gave Richard answers. Because he's, like, talking about, you know, it was like, you know, he basically talked about the candidates, like, which are quite a few, which we'll get to in here in a second. Uh, and Richard has no idea what he's talking about. And he's like, oh, Richard never told you. Richard made you do all these things and never told you why. Blah, blah. You know, he goes on his whole, uh, or Jacob told you all these things. and nah. Jacob made you do all these things and never told you why, Richard. And he goes on these big anti-Jacob rants, and it's fun. But then he goes to Sawyer, and Sawyer immediately is like, okay, sure, why am I here? I don't give a fuck. like, I'm here because my plane crashed. And he's like, nah, basically you're saying how, not why. Why are you here? Then they're walking through, and they see the little boy again, and Sawyer sees the little boy. And he's like, you can see him? Like, yeah. And then he goes running after him, and he falls over, and the little boy's like, you know the rules, you can't kill him. And at this, he gets mad, he's like, yeah! Don't tell me what I can't do. He's turning in the lock. I don't know. I don't know really what. But whatever. At this time, Sawyer's like by himself trying to find Locke, and Richard comes up. He's like, he's not who you think he is. His true intention is to kill everybody on the island. Like, he's like, he's going to kill everybody. He's going to talk about leaving, but he's going to kill everyone. That's his whole plan. Then he has to run away because Locke's returning. Flock here. Then leads Sawyer all the way across the island in like a matter of like eight minutes to the shoreline and there's like these ladders that go down into a cave they're going down eventually Locke or uh, Sawyer's almost breaks and falls off and then he holds on it was needlessly kind of whatever um, needless needless drama just get him down there so he goes into a cave there's like a scale with a white rock and a black rock. And Flock picks up the white one and throws it into the ocean. And he's like, what's that? And Sawyer's like, what's that about? And he's like, inside joke. Whatever. So then they go even deeper into the cave. And then they find this room with all these names written across it. And almost all of them marked out except for 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. Which correlates to Locke. Reyes, Ford, Jarrah, Shepard, and Quan. He says he doesn't know which Quan it's supposed to mean, whether it's supposed to be sin, or, uh, sin, son, or Jin. But blah. You'll notice that there's no Kate there. We'll get there later on in a really great scene. Not in this episode. Way down the line. Um, he was talking about how Jacob had candidates to replace him as a guard of the island. He's talking about how, and Sawyer's like, to protect it from what? Because that's what Jacob was, to protect it from around. He's like, nothing, James. That's the joke, is that there's nothing to protect it from. Like, you know, he's manipulated all these lives and destroyed all these lives to protect nothing. And he's like, I just want to leave this island and never return. So Sawyer's like, hell yeah, let's do that. So we've got our team going here. I don't think this goes very much, like, at all. I don't think the whole Flock and Sawyer team. I was, like, kind of excited about something. Oh, we're setting this whole, like... We're going to have dueling sides here of, like, who is on whose side and, like, whose loyalties lie where. Like, I'm like, this could be really interesting. And I don't think it goes very far. And he was going to be like, oh, 
Saeed and Sawyer versus Jack and Hurley. And like, oh, this is going to be, oh, shit, it's like a Civil War type thing. And they just don't go there. Anyway, we still have a little bit left here of this episode. At the statue, Alana is all boohooing about, you know, dead Jacob. Ben tells him about, you know, how the smoke monster killed him. And then she's like, what about Jacob? He's like, yeah, he killed him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> she takes some of uh, Jacob's ashes and, like, um, she talks. he's talking about how Locke can't change anymore. Flock can't change because Jacob is dead. Not sure how that works, but who cares? It's not that important. Then they go outside. Son and Frank are the only people still left as everybody else is going to the temple. Um, they go up to John and they're like, oh, we have to get John. We have to take John's body and bury it. So then they decide to travel to the original graveyard for, you know, the 815 survivors where like Boone and Shannon and all of them were buried. Uh, Nikki and Paolo buried alive. Uh, the church is still kind of there. And it was like, huh. They carried John Locke's whole body. This this magic shrinking island thing is so frustrating. <laughs> they carried it all the way to the camp within a half a day when it took Saeed like a day and a half to get to the foot, the statue of the foot, by boat. Like, what the hell? Whatever. It's not that big a deal, but it just frustrates me. And I go, oh, we had to go to the temple, but, the, you know, the guy's like, uh, they held a little impromptu uh, funeral, and Alana's like, or, like, did none of you know him? And then Ben decides to deliver a short eulogy, and this kind of got me for a little quick second, you know, because it really is like, Ben, one is one who probably knew John the best. And, you know, he talked about how John was a man of faith. Like, you know, he believed, and he was a good person, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and I'm sorry I murdered him. And then they go back to, like, covering his body, and Lapita's like, Weirdest damn funeral I've ever been to. <laughs> uh, yeah. The in- episode ended with Sawyer agreeing to go, but I kind of forgot to talk about that. I really liked the Ben eulogy. I thought it worked pretty well. Uh, this episode, I probably like a little bit more than what Kate does. Like, uh, I think outside of, like, the little shots at Locke being kind of a cat, like, being scared. He's just a scared baby. He's not important at all. Stop thinking he's important because he's a scared little baby, which I, you know, I ranted about that last week. I like a little bit more overall. I like uh, bringing back uh, Helen. I like, uh, you know, Locke in the Flash Sideways accepting his limits and not, under- like, you know, the special stuff. Like... It's frustrating because he is special. He really should have been, but like it, it's nice to see him like not being as angry as he was. Like because like man, Locke's episodes like really thinking about him. His flashbacks and his episodes are so depressing, so depressing because he is like, a sad sack of shit. He really is like a pathetic dude. Like you know he has that call girl in the first season that's named Helen, which I think they end up just retconning and making Helen's actual girlfriend. But by doing that. By doing that little retcon, they make that episode where he's talking to Helen on the phone and walkabout about going to Australia and wanting to take her really creepy. Like, he's just got some girl he gets on the phone and talks to, and I'm not sure if her real name's Helen or she just lets him call her Helen. You know, there there was those services for kind of lonely dudes that you can do that with, especially that time, like early 2000s, you know, pay by the minute, and thinking that she's going to go on this continent like a different continent trip with him like sad yeah but lock stuff was really sad and seemed a little bit more at ease and a little bit more happy and they're talking about his father going to the wedding i'm like oh shit and i still don't know how he gets paralyzed because if his father's in the picture obviously he's not the one to throw out a window but whatever i liked it a man i'm gonna set a minus nah b let's give it a good b the eulogy's a b plus actually the eulogy's A minus. I like that a lot. Um, I like I said, it's setting up really cool things that just don't pay off. So like, it's kind of hard to like kind of grade it that way because like what they're setting up with the whole Sawyer joining Flock and Richard kind of being a captive of them and Saeed's sickness and stuff like that. It's like, oh shit, we're gonna have like you know the whole Civil War thing I just mentioned a few minutes ago. It's like, oh man, they're really setting up something really interesting here, and they just don't go for it. They really. As much as it is cool to see some of these old characters in the glorified fucking, you know, clip show, how fun it is sometimes, it's emotionally manipulative, 
Um, it probably would have been better served not to do any flashback, flash sideways, flash forward stuff. Just focus on the island. That's what they really should have done here. I talked a little bit about last season. Like they maybe could have cut that shit out. Um, maybe in some season four stuff they could have cut that out a little bit. I think I don't know. I just I really feel like they probably should have dropped it like the whole flash sideways thing and just focused on what's going on in the island. They could have done so much more with what's going on here. Um, but whatever. Anyways, that's the Lost Three Watch for this week. We've got two episodes next week, which is Lighthouse. Dr. Linus? I think it's Lighthouse and Dr. Linus. Nope. Lighthouse and Sundown. So we're going to have, um... Jack episode, then we'll have the culmination of the Temple storyline. I'll see what I feel about Sundown. That's going to be an interesting one. Anyways, other than that, thank you so much for listening and understanding, ladies and gentlemen, all the fun stuff. If you like what you heard, spread the good word. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can find Monster 8, the pilot. Um, I'll be back Thursday with some sports talk, and then um, I'll be on LC Transfer Room tomorrow night, maybe. I'll be on twice tomorrow, you never know never know. Anyways, other than that, um, if you have questions, let me know. If you got answers, let me know. If you got want to be on the show, just let me know, man. It'll be a great time. We'll do whatever we got to do, man. But other than that, um, yeah, I'm just going to get out of here. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I want to go to bed, bed. I'm going to go sleepy, sleepy, sleepy type. Go sleepy time. I'm not sure why I'm saying that, but whatever. Anyways, let's get out of here, guys. 10-4, Daddy-O. Let's get the hell on out of here. <laughs>